Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, um, if, um, if you're there, let me just read it. And uh, we've been reading verse 9 and 10, talking about six practical lessons for living. Here's what uh, God said through Isaiah. I am your servant. I have chosen you. God says, I said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so that first week we looked at uh, uh, don't live a life of fear. And if you missed that, you can go find it online. Uh, and then the, then the second part we looked at that first week is don't choose a life of loneliness uh, from God and others. And we need to live connected with other people. Uh, other servants of God. Then last week, we looked at these two ideas coming straight from there. We need to learn to live a focused and committed life, uh, that we need to be focused on what God has for us and how God wants us to live and live a committed life, commit to follow Him. Then the last thing we looked at last week was point number four pulled right out of Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, is that as God's children, we know all that stuff, uh, with God saying, I am with you, uh, we need to live with confidence and poise. But we talked about the fact that confidence and arrogance are two different things. And we're, all, we're told throughout Scripture, don't walk with pride. God detests the pride uh, of men and prideful people, that we want to walk with confidence that God is with us uh, because He said He's with us, but we don't want to walk with pride. So here's where we pick up this week. And the first thought, and it comes from, uh, let's go back and read Isaiah 41, verse 10. He says, Do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Then he says, I will strengthen you, and I will help you. So here's thought number five out of Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, is that you and I need to live with a proactive faith that we need to live with a proactive faith. We need to live with a faith that moves. Uh, this means I have to do something. Now, notice what it says. God says, I will strengthen you, and I will help you. Now, obviously, we want to live our lives focused on God, right? And what God can do, and what God can do for us. But we also want to understand that it's more about what God wants to do through us instead of for us. Do you understand the difference? If God does something through me, that means I'm part of the process. If God does something for me, it's all God. Is that right? Is right? There, there's, a, there's a reality that part of how God trains us and teaches us is telling us that we need to live with a faith but it shouldn't be a faith that is asleep or a faith that is, is, uh, uh, is in neutral, but we ought to live with a faith that is active, a faith that is doing something, that is moving, that uh, is serving, that is helping people, that is, that is doing this. Here, let me give you a quick quote. quote says, you know, uh, words, lessons, and sermons may inspire you, but only taking action grows your faith. Only when we take action, when we, when we move out for God, do we see God move in our lives and does it grow our faith? There, is, there are those who, um, and you've heard me say this over the years, the last thing some people need is another sermon. The last thing some people need is another Bible study. 
They've got so much Bible knowledge, they could win every Bible trivia game every year. What they need to do is take one of those sermons or one of those Bible studies or one of those verses or one of those lessons and put them into practice. Does that make sense? Man, you can have all the head knowledge in the world. The doctor can be the smartest doctor in the world. But at some point, what does he have to do? He's got to go in the operating room, right? He could sit there and look at you. You know, Keith comes in, I'm the doctor, and we decide that Keith has cancer or Keith has this or he needs this removed. And I can tell him, here's how you do it. And man, here's what we would do. And, and if we were going to take this out, this cancer out, we would, we would, we would put you to sleep and, and we'd cut you open. And I'd use this instrument and I'd use that instrument and I'd do all that stuff. And then Keith looks at me and goes, great. All right. When are we going to do this? Oh, well, we're not going to do this. I just know how, Right. And there are times that we know all the answers, guys. We've got to put them into practice. We've got to have a proactive faith. And that's what God says. He says, listen, God says, I'm going to strengthen you, but you've got to let me use your strength. He goes, I'm going to uphold you. There's an emphasis there on you. That God says, I will strengthen you when you get tired. When do you get tired? When you're actually using your strength, right? He says, God, God says, I will help you. When will God help you? When you need help. When will you need help? When I'm faltering, when I'm failing, when I'm, uh, when, when I'm not getting the job done. And so we need to understand that God says, right here in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, He doesn't just say, live with confidence and poise. He doesn't just say, uh, don't fear. But He says, get to work. Live with a proactive faith. Live in such a way that we are saying yes to God. And so God says, I'll strengthen you and I will help you. Let me give you another thought. He said, when you doubt, when you, when you doubt God's power in your life, you give yourself the power to doubt. As I think about those words, I will strengthen you, I will help you. We, we can't doubt God. We've got to trust Him. When we doubt God's power in our lives, what are we doing? We're giving ourselves the power to doubt. But when we focus on God's power in my life, and the promise of God right here is that if you will trust Him, if, we, if you and I will use our faith, if we will use our faith in a proactive way, God will strengthen us and God will help us then when we get in the process of using our faith and we begin to doubt a little bit, that's when we have to just trust God. But if we ultimately doubt God, it's one thing, and it's okay to doubt yourself, by the way. A lot of, a lot of modern commentaries and commentators and speakers have twisted that around. Don't ever doubt yourself. Hey, let me tell you what, you always want to doubt yourself. What you never want to do is doubt God. Because when you doubt God, that's when you give yourself the power to doubt yourself. If I realize the point of this part of the passage is that God promises if you are doing His work, He will strengthen you and He will help you. Go back to, a, uh, to the children of Israel in the Old Testament. They're in Egypt, they're in slavery. They pretty much doubt they can do anything else, right? God shows up through Moses, brings some plagues. They begin to journey off uh, through the wilderness. They come to the Red Sea. What do they begin to do? They begin to doubt. They begin to look at Moses and say, hey, did you lead us out in the desert that we'd die? Were there not enough graves back in Egypt? You, you go read the story. that We could have died there. So you'd have rather died back as slaves in Egypt. 
And Moses said, hey, just step back, watch. God is going to strengthen us. God is going to help us. God parted the Red Sea. Children of Israel moved through on dry ground. The Egyptian soldiers are swallowed up. They move on through. It's not long. They're beginning to moan and cry and whine. But what happens when they ultimately get to the promised land, the place they were going? They send the spies into the land, right? Spies come back and say, man, it is an amazing land. Man, there, 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 there are groceries everywhere, is what they said. Basically, there's milk, there's honey, it's all good, there's donuts. It is a phenomenal church. And then someone says, the problem is there's problems there. Man, the people are giants in the land. They have fortified cities, and we're just a bunch of slaves from Egypt. Ten of the spies says, we can't go in and fight. Two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, said, yeah, we can because God will strengthen us. Those words. God will ultimately uphold us. The children of Israel, listen to this, the children of Israel turned to shrink back and meander around in the desert for 40 years. Why? Not because God didn't strengthen them, but because they didn't rely on God's strength. Not because God didn't help them, but because they didn't put themselves in a position to allow God to help them. Does that make sense? See, they never got to the place that ultimately Joshua gets to later where they need God's strength. They need God to uphold them. Why? Because they didn't have a proactive faith. They had a fearful faith. And so you and I need to live in such a way that we live with a proactive faith that we make sure, first of all, that what we're doing is God's will. Is this what God wants me to do? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Then He will make your path straight. Man, what does it mean? We trust God. We don't lean to my own understanding. God, what would you have us do? What was the children of Israel's own understanding at that moment at the Jordan River? We have been slaves in Egypt for a long time. They've been fighters. We've got no cities, they've got cities. Their cities have big walls, and the people get behind their walls, and they just basically kill us all while we're trying to invade the city. What does that say? They're leaning to their own understanding. But God says, I got another plan. Y'all don't have uh, a lot of swords and spears. Y'all don't have catapults. Y'all don't know how to take down a city. But, but God says, my plan is this. You do have horns, and y'all are good walkers. Right? How many of you know the story? And God said, my plan is that you're going to walk in, you're just going to walk around Jericho. Y'all are great walkers. That is the one thing. You... What does that mean? God is taking what they're good at and going to do something miraculous out of it. Guys, I will promise you, you don't have to think that you are a superstar in the faith for God to use you. If, if, if you look at yourself that in the faith, I'm kind of a good walker. God says, you walk for me, I'll use you. I, can't, I don't do much, but I've got this. God says, you give me that, I'll use you. And that's where he says, I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you. And guys, don't ever doubt yourself. Now, you, you, you also want to make sure that how God has gifted you and the talents and skills that you have are where you're trying to use them. And don't get those out of place. If God has gifted you and skilled you and, and, and put you together and knit you together for a certain type of purpose, don't, because of pride, say, I want to do something different. Unless God clearly says, I want you to do something different. 
Because when we are doing what God wants us to do, He will strengthen us, He will uphold us, and we don't have to, have to doubt at all. Because when we doubt God, that gives us the ultimate power to doubt ourselves. God gave the children of Israel the promised land after 40 years. How many of you know that? They meandered around in the desert a whole, uh, but even when they came back, they had to have a proactive faith. What did they have to do? They still had to step into the Jordan River, right? Remember the story? They come back to the Jordan River. It was at flood stage. And God looked at Joshua and says, tell the people to consecrate themselves. Moses, my servant, is dead. You uh, You don't be fearful, but be courageous. Do not be dismayed. Wherever your foot treads, I will give you victory and success. All the places that you go, wherever you go. So they woke up. When they woke up, guess what? The water in the Jordan River was still flowing until what? Until what? Somebody tell me. They put their foot in the water. And then God began to dry it up. Guys, I think a lot of times, a lot of us have been looking at the water flowing, waiting for God to dry it up. And God has said, listen, I'm not drying it up until you do what I told you to do, which is put your foot in the water. And that's the idea of having a proactive faith. God says, I will strengthen you when you're using your own strength. I will help you when you come to a place after following me and using your own strength. I will help you when you need help. But if all you're going to do is stand on the side in the bank and you're never going to put your foot in the water, don't ask for God to strengthen you. Let me tell you what, the children of Israel stepped in, they went across on dry land, they took stones, they built a memorial right there. Then they begin to attack and uh, they begin to go against Jericho. Now, God gave them instructions, walk around Jericho. What were their instructions? Walk around Jericho. What if all of a sudden they sent a couple of spies into Jericho and and they said, you know what, we think we can go right over the side of those walls. We think we've got some, not only have some good walkers, we have some good climbers. And so they said, let's go over the walls. So Joshua says, all right, let's go over the walls. What do you think would have happened? They'd have lost. Why? Because God told them to march around, right? And so first thing we need, we want to be proactive in our faith. That's when God strengthens us. Guys, what are you doing for God in the faith? What are you, where are you serving? What are you doing? How active are you being? And then let God strengthen you, and then let God uh, help you. I I love um, what Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says. The Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. That word do in the original language can actually be translated two ways. One is to do something. I can do anything. And the other translation for that word, which is probably its primary translation, is endure. I can endure anything. Now, the do, we like to hear that, right? That's when, you know, uh, somebody in the faith uh, uh, does, some, does a miracle or you get the raise or you get this or a long shot comes to play that you've, you've, you've been proactive in your faith and all of a sudden you get the win and you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those are the kind of Philippians 4.13s that I like. I want to be honest with you. But we can also think of those other times where I can endure all things that God brings my way. You can look back over the history of the world right in just 
couple hundred years after the faith uh, got started where people were burned at the cross for their faith. Guess what? Those guys and those ladies, they had to endure all things, right? There's a difference between doing and enduring. And there are times in your life that you might be able to do all things. You can overcome cancer. You can overcome, you know, bankruptcy. You can over, overcome a difficult season. You can do all things. Those are those miracle seasons in your life that God gives you the strength to do something that only He can do. But there are other times in your life and in my life that God gives us the strength to endure. You know what I'm talking about? And by the way, if you are having to endure and you're not doing, that doesn't necessarily mean you're out of God's will. There are a lot of times that people say, well, you know, what are they doing wrong? If, if they've lost their job or if they've done this or if they've done that or if they've got cancer or they're this, you know, what have they done wrong? What sin is there in their life? How many of you remember John chapter 6, Jesus healed a blind man, you know, and, and, and it all started with the question, hey, who sinned, him or his parents, right? And we live in a sinful, hard, difficult world. There are some times that we endure all things. We don't do all things. That's a miracle win. We endure. And it's not necessarily, that we, not necessarily that we have to endure because of our sinfulness. We're having to endure some things as a church. It's going to be costly. We're having to endure these things. But it doesn't mean because we're sinful. How many of you remember the Apostle Paul? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He had something called a thorn in the flesh. How many of you think that Paul had a thorn in the flesh because of sin in his life? No. Paul prayed for it to go away, right? Not once, not twice, but three times. And guys, there might be some things in your life that you are praying that God would take away, and God didn't take it away. How do you respond? God, if you're not taking this away, I've asked you to take, it, take this away. I'm going to live with a proactive faith. That means I'm going to trust you, God, to strengthen me and help me and uphold me with your righteous right hand, right? And so, guys, there are two aspects of our life. There are sometimes we can do all things through Christ strengthening us, God strengthening us, God helping us. There are other times that we can endure all things through Christ strengthening us and God helping us and God holding us up. And, and it could be either one in your life, in my life. And so in both instances, the response is the same, that I want to do everything I can to live with a proactive faith. So let me ask you a question before we move to the last point on Isaiah 41, verse 10. How active has your faith been? Some of you guys, I love saying, some of you guys out there just serving at VBS, doing this. Some of you serve at a life group. Some of you help park cars. Man, what's everybody here and there doing? How proactive are you in your faith? I will guarantee you there is something you can be doing for God right now. Because, and here's how I know that, because he's kept you alive for all this long. I love what Paul says as you come down to that. I prayed three times that God would uh, get it away. And he says, that is why for Christ's sake, this is when God says, I'm going to leave the thorn in the flesh. I delight in my weakness, my insults, my hardships, my persecutions, and in my difficulties. For that's when I realize that when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. There's two aspects of God helping me and sustaining me and strengthening me. Sometimes He strengthens me when I'm weak. That's what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians. 
There's sometimes God gives me the strength when I'm winning to win bigger. Only God knows the future in those seasons and those times. So live with a proactive faith. Here's the final thought from this verse, and this will be our sixth one, six principles for good and godly living. Live with a long-term trust in God. Just as you make your journey, trust God. Notice that last phrase we looked at, I will strengthen you and I will help you. Now there's this very last phrase in verse 10. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If God promises us he, He's going to uphold us with His righteous right hand, that allows us to take risk in His will, knowing we can trust Him, right? It's kind of like an acrobat uh, performing with a net. Or if you're a Walenda, how many of you saw that story over the weekend, the, the Walendas that walked across Times Square, and they actually walked across, and the sister sits down, and the brother walks and steps over her, and they get up, and they begin to making it all the way across. Now, if, you, if you're like me, and at least you've over the years, you're like, why would people do this? You're born into that family, all right? Anybody in here, anybody in here, high, uh, high wire walkers? But what's different about the way they do it now than the way they used to do it? Anybody see the pictures? What's different? Safety. They have safety lines now. See, their family used to be a lot bigger. <laughs> the ones that are not good are not the brother or sister that you ever hear about. <laughs> Actually, the one, if you, didn't, if you didn't know this, was a brother and sister that walked across. If you go read, I think her name's uh, Laneige or something like that, Walenda. Uh, she fell like two years ago and landed on her face and like it broke her face like in 70 places. She has like 73 screws in her face. I mean, it's just crazy. It's amazing that she, she's alive. But the difference is now, they walked across Times Square, they did have suspension cables. So should they have fallen, they wouldn't have landed on anyone below. Well, I want you to know, I'll, I'll be real honest with you, I still wouldn't have done it. Is there anybody in here that would have given it a try? No, I wouldn't have done it. But if you're a Walenda, this has got to be the easiest thing in the world, right? I've walked across tight ropes all my life. The grandmother, by the way, if you don't know, go read the whole story as, you, you know, as I begin to read and look, and I'm like, oh. one of the grandmothers, or actually the ones that were on there, their grandmother walked her last high-wire, unsuspended, death-if-you-fall rope when she was 72 years old. How many of you are over 72? How many of you are under 72? Get your rope out, boys. Bunch of sissies. I mean, get walking. Does that make sense? I mean, can you imagine 72 years old? She is rolling across, been doing it all her life. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm sure there's a little trepidation. I'm sure there's a little fear. But once you've done it forever and you've learned, I'm really good at this. It doesn't mean that you don't fear, but it means I can do this, right? Now you take that same family. 
I think, uh, if I remember correctly, the, the, the sister, and I, I might be wrong on this, is like 42 years old. She's been walking tie ropes since she could walk. Do you realize that? In that family, you walk tight ropes as soon as you can walk. Now, they're, they're this far off the ground. And then they raise them, they raise them, they raise them, they raise them. Then they put mats down there and nets as they're training. And by the way, there is another generation. Their sons and daughters, the ones that walked across that are like 42 and 48, their little generation is learning to walk. So our kids are going to be able to see more Willendas. Now, but imagine this. If you have been walking tie ropes all your life, and then all of a sudden says, hey, listen, we got some new rules here. We know you're big high-wire walkers, and part of it is being debt-defying, but we hate to introduce this, but we're going to have to put, we just can't let you die. But we're still going to give you a million dollars apiece. We just can't let you get hurt in front of a bunch of people in video, right? How many of you would say, sign me up, right? I've been doing this for a living without any wire that has supported me. And now all of a sudden you're going to pay me the same amount of money and you're going to tell me you're going to pay so I won't get hurt? Sign me up, right? That's what is being said right here of us, guys. That if we walk with God, He's going to catch us. If we are on the rope that He wants us to, uh, to be on, going where He wants us to go, and we fall, what does this passage say? God promises, I will uphold you, and I will lift you up with my righteous right hand. Aristotle once said, the hand is the tool of all tools. What was Aristotle saying, you know, the big philosopher? He was saying, man, the hand's an amazing thing. And he was saying, the tool of all tools. What was Aristotle looking? He was looking around, seeing an amazing artist. That What would the amazing artist do? He'd have a paintbrush in his hands, and he would paint. This amazing portrait, right? He said, that's amazing. Then he would see some guy that could carve some massive, out of some massive stone, some beautiful sculpture, right? What's the, what's the similarity there? It's somebody's hand, right? And if you think of God and His hand upholding us, we are nothing more than the tool in the hand of the Master. And some of y'all, God is going to paint some portraits with. Some of y'all, you're best for being banged against rocks. How many of you, guys, how many of us? We're men, right? Right, about all we're good for in the kingdom are for God to bang us against some rocks. And sometimes it's the rock you're sitting next to right now, right? You're having to, God's having to beat off some things. And so we need to understand that we, we have to look through this. We have to see that we are the tool in the hand of the master. And if he is going to up, uphold us with the righteous right hand. Now, let me tell you what, even when you think about the righteous right hand, the idea of the right hand is more important than the left hand. If you look through God's word, the right hand... The right hand is symbolic with your mind and being rational, all right, and being strong and being powerful and victory. If you look in, the, uh, in God's Word, what is the left hand? Being irrational, all right, uh, not doing things well, weakness, anxiety, depression, Fear. There is two. And so there is a reason God says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, because that is the hand that gives us victory. When we're 
doing what God wants us to do, being a tool in the master's hands, we can guarantee success. Now, the left hand, that is when you and I aren't doing anything and God guarantees us nothing. Or when you and I aren't serving him somewhere or we're doing something that is not according to his will. We are not on the right tightrope. Guys, if you're going to take a risk, make sure it's a risk that God tells you to take. Look at Psalm 37, verse 17. Here's another passage. For the arms of the wicked will ultimately be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous with his right hand. So here's what we got. We got the promise from God that I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And if all else fails, I just wanted to throw this in here. I thought as I was studying uh, Psalm 63, verse 8. If all else fails, here's what it says. My soul clings to you, O God. My soul clings to you. So if you have fallen and you're hanging on the rope, know that God's got you with your righteous right hand. And just say, God, I'm here because you put me here. I'm serving where you want me to serve. I'm doing what you want me to do. God, I'm at the end of my strength. I'm at the end of my knowledge. I'm at the end of my wits. And I'm at the end of my prayers. And the only thing I can do, God, right now is cling to you. And sometimes that's all you got, guys. But that's always good enough if we're being upheld by the righteous right hand of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, God. As these guys journey out, I, I pray that they would be awesome tools in the hand of an amazing God who promises them to to uphold them. God, let us live with a proactive faith today and let us walk with trust. A proactive faith that we are tools in the hand of an amazing God, but an amazing trust that we are suspended and held up by a God who cares and loves us and has the power to do anything He wants to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.